0: What does God desire in this world? He desires many things, but one of the things he desires is godly offspring. Godly offspring. Look at Malachi chapter 2, verse 15. 15, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? Who's he talking about there? Husband and wife, in, in particular, Adam and Eve. Husband and wife, the institution of marriage. Did he not make them one? With a portion of the Spirit in their union, if you are married, then you've been made one with the Holy Spirit and with one another. And what was the one God seeking? What was the purpose of Him uh, marrying the two of you? Look it right there. See the purpose. What does God want? Godly offspring. Godly offspring. We're going to begin a series this morning on prayer, and one of the things we're going to learn, not this morning, but in in the future, is that if we pray according to His will, we will receive what we pray for. But what's His will? What does God want? Here you go, right here. What is God's intention? Godly offspring. Does He want your children to be godly? Absolutely. That's what He wants. Until He tells you otherwise, you need to believe that. Until he comes to you in a vision and says, your child, I don't want to be godly. I've cursed them to hell for all eternity like Judas. Um, then you believe that he wants your kid to be godly. And if, if a being ever does appear to you and says that, that's not God. That's the devil. All right? <clears throat> but God is telling you very clearly right here, he desires godly like offspring. That's his intention. And that's one of the purposes of marriage. That's why he married the two of you. And by the way, there was a a minister there perhaps representing God in some sense, but it was God that chose the two of you and put the two of you together, and he did it and gave you his Holy Spirit so that there could be godly offspring that come from that union. Every fruitful union, covenantal union, produces godly, fruitful offspring, so, but just as children aren't conceived automatically, you don't get married and then wake up one morning, ah, children, um, it's not automatic, neither are they going to be godly automatic, right? It's, it's not a something that just happens. It's not like gravity. Um, it requires a means, and the means that God typically and normally uses to bring about godly offspring is godly parenting that's right so you're saying if if i parent in a godly way they will be a christian yes that's what i'm saying and uh and i'm going to continue to show you this more and more Um, the means that god uses normally to produce godly offspring is godly parenting can there be godly people whose parents were degenerates of course but we're talking about the normative typical pattern of how God raises godly offspring how does he um, bring about the birth of a child normally it's through uh, marital union and conception but that's not how it happened in Jesus's case Um, that was the exception to the rule and godly offspring come from godly parenting generally speaking even though we can perhaps think of a few examples to the otherwise make sense Um, and what is the key to godly parenting how can you be a godly parent first and foremost what do you have to have you 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 need the holy spirit that's right sure love for god you need to love god you need his law absolutely right amen and the holy spirit gives you the gift of faith so that through faith you can obey his law right Faith works. And one of the greatest works that faith produces is the work of godly parenting. All right, so follow the, the train of, of thought here. God wants godly offspring. The way he produces godly offspring normally is through godly parents and parenting. Godly parenting is a work that is accomplished through faith. Through faith. Faith is always in the person and the promises of God. So, when you have godly parenting, if it is godly parenting, it's always built on the foundation of God's promises that He has given in the Bible. If you don't have His promises, then you don't have faith. And if you don't have faith, you don't have works and you don't have the work of godly parenting, and then you don't get godly offspring. All right? Make sense? So essential for godly parenting is faith, and that's where we got to start this class. And In, in the future classes, we'll talk about the responsibilities and the duties and maybe some tips and tricks, but if you don't get this particular point, everything you'll do will be worthless, frustrating, and uh, eventually produce licentious brats or legalistic goody-two-shoes Pharisees, neither of which do we want around here. Amen? What we want are godly children which come from godly parenting which is a work produced by faith in the promises and person of God. Look at Romans chapter 14 verse 23. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. What if I spank them precisely as the law of God commands and I don't do it in faith? What is that? Sin. What if I instruct them to obey the Ten Commandments and to obey their teachers and obey their parents and to um, take a shower daily and to brush their teeth and to proper you know practice proper hygiene and all of these things, but I don't have faith, then everything that I taught them is sin. And when they do it and they don't do it in faith, they will be brushing their teeth in sin. They will be br- everything that is done out of anxiety or out of fear or out of whatever motivations, if it is not done from faith, it is a type of sin. Even if your parenting looks a lot like the parenting of other people in the church, because you're following the same protocols and tips and tricks, if you don't have faith, you are in sin. And there is no promise that God produces godly offspring through sinful parenting. Okay? The promise is that he will be faithful if you will be faithful. If you're not going to be faithful, he may still save your kid in spite of you, but I don't know of any promises for that. Make sense? All right, good. So here's a little warning for you. Many people think, and you might have thought when I said we're going to have a class on parenting, that it's going to be about tips and tricks, techniques, and I've raised so far all good kids, so I probably have some tips and tricks and some techniques. We'll see. They're not done growing. Hopefully, none of them apostatize, right? (laughs) Right, <laughs> um, but um, I, I don't. I don't foresee any of that taking place. Obviously, um, I believe from very early age that God loved my kids more than I loved them, and um, and God knew them more than I knew them. Even though I didn't theologically have the the basis for that, because but I uh, intellectually. Uh, inconsistently still believed that he loved them and that he had promises for them And I parented in that and he blessed me even though I was intellectually Schizophrenic in that particular area. And If you have no idea what I just said, don't worry about it. Mo- moving on <coughs> Moving on There will be some tips and some tricks and things like that and techniques and here and there But none of those things produce godly offspring ultimately Okay Um, what produces godly offspring is God being faithful to his promises to faithful parents doing faithful parenting in faith a faith that works All right you want to do is that the way I'm saying it that's it it's it's important to say this right it's not easy to say right and I think as this class goes on I'll be able to articulate better for you what I'm meaning but I've always gotten better at articulating things by teaching through them Right, but we'll uh, we'll get better at that. So let's discuss just for a moment some of the mythic. I'm going to call them mythic parenting tricks. You know the word mythic? It's like fantastical. It's like whoa! If you do this, presto, bambo, right? It's not working. Right? <laughs> what are some of the mythic parenting tricks? What is it called? Gentle parenting? <laughs> I'm not a millennial, so you'll have to help me. But is that where if you get on the level with the child? Right. <laughs> I did see a funny video. The kid is pitching a fit in the grocery store, screaming on the ground, and the mom lays on the floor. And <laughs> Brother Henry, you these days, you've got to get on the level with the child. You don't want him to feel like you're, you're about this. Huh? <laughs> you don't want him to feel like you're an authoritarian. Oh, you tyrant. The only person that can beat children are the police, not parents. you testify to that (laughs) yeah he never he didn't ever get on your level (laughs) is that kind of gentle parenting or like and then you reason with them and talk talk softly and try to de-escalate like you're you know a parole officer right great that's funny what else what are some other mythic uh let's do the opposite of that what about john wayne parenting yeah he's like you know i'll spank the sin out of them just every spank 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 you know beat scream punch <laughs> as, as far as myth as far as tricks go you're you're siding on that one yeah no you can't beat uh jesus into someone right and um yeah you can't beat jesus into someone um, you can spank without faith and what do you think that's going to accomplish nothing right Unless God is really good to you, right? And, of course, God is good to us when we're in our sin. He still meets us where we are because he's faithful even when we're not faithful. Um, but uh, uh, faithless spanking just brings about frustration, exasperation, in you and the kid, et cetera, et cetera. Um, ma- spanking is not a magic trick. It's not an absolute. It's not just this little little trick you pull off and your kid is behaviorally managed. Um, so we'll talk more about that. But any other mythic parenting tricks? Brother Henry? Okay. Well, sure, yes. Um yeah, it's hard. If you've been faithless, if you've been faithless for 14 years, don't, you know, you can't <laughs> fix that overnight. All right? What else? Other mythic f- parenting tricks. They're going to see you do it anyway, so gonna, why not give us some guidance on how to it. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're going <laughs> to I've actually heard someone wrote that to me on Facebook like they're going to uh have premarital s- f- sex, they're going to fornicate anyway, so at least like teach them how to do it safely. I was like sh- sh- idiot. <laughs> all right. When I when we par- when we were parenting little kids, and no offense if this is your 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 like go-to, but there was this thing called Baby Wise. And uh, do you all remember Baby Wise? And it was pretty practical. It was something like you it was like a rhythm. Eat what? eat, play, sleep. Yeah, that was pretty good, but I just remember there were some people that they believed in the baby-wise gospel, and like their whole church community would be doing something to be something great, and they'd be like, no, eat, pray, sleep, or eat what? (laughs) (laughs) That's the Julia Roberts movie, I think. Eat, eat, play, sleep, eat, play, sleep, and it was just like they just held to this religiously, and when their kid wouldn't follow the protocol, they're so frustrated, I was like, your kid is not a machine, like, it's not a vending machine where you do this perfect little thing and everything's gonna work perfect. It might be, you know, good. It might be a, a nice thing that works, generally speaking. You don't put your faith in the law. There's no salvation by law, which is another way of saying there's no salvation by technique or tricks, right? Or things you do. Um, and that includes uh, parenting and anything. Uh, Other mythic parenting tricks, the one that I see these days is as long as they have the right diet, like, their behavior will be appropriate. Like, there'll be people who, when the kid is bad, they're like, oh, too much iron in their system. (laughs) Too much red dye, yellow five, or whatever. (laughs) That stuff might be poisonous. I don't know, but that's not I will say, and I, I, I've told my friends this recently, I was like, you can't give them Coca-Cola and ice cream for breakfast. And then when they're too hyper, scream at them for being too hyper and then spank them. Right. I was like, come on, you're you're setting them up for failure. Like, if, now, I guess if they're used to caffeine, I suppose. But yeah, but they're but you're not going to you're they're going to still even be crazy if they don't drink caffeine. So but caffeine is an upper. I mean, it actually is. Um, I think, uh, you know, different methodologies, if we go to bigger kids, different schooling methodologies, you know, there's no methodology in schooling that is going to make your kids um, like super smart geniuses and uh, obedient little Christians. It doesn't matter the technique. It's not salvation by law. It's not salvation by law. Um, You know, whether they have Latin or don't have Latin, that's not going to, or French immersion. There's no, like trick that's going to make them successful all right um college no college spanking no spanking we don't have a tv in our house no we do have tv you know no this it's not law it's not law all right i'm not even pro or for any of these particular things i'm just trying to say you got to get out of the mindset that there is there is something you do or don't do that is going to make all the difference yeah, it's CCA or, or whatever, perfect school or perfect homeschooling co-op or perfect program or, you know, honors this, honors that. None of that. It's not those things can't make or break you. All right. Um, now, I have had people use this line of reasoning to justify every dumb thing they do. All right. That's not what I'm saying. There are people who do legitimately dumb things. And they're like, well, you know, we're tr- it's the Holy Spirit that's going to change them. I will like, yes, but the Holy Spirit is working with you and through you, right? And he hasn't promised to bless stupidity. Um, and so we have to make sure what we're doing is wise, but we don't put our confidence in, our, in the things we do. We have to first and foremost put our confidence in God and in his promises for our children. Amen? Makes sense? All right, so... <clears throat> just to repeat, what is our, our basis for the whole class? God desires godly offspring, and the normative way in which he does that is godly parenting. Godly parenting is a type of work that comes from faith. If it doesn't come from faith, it's the kind of work that doesn't produce the fruits of righteousness. If it comes from faith, it God promises to bless faithful parenting, right? So here's a promise for us. Here's a promise, and there's Thousands of thousands of them all over the Bible. Uh, Psalm 102, verse 25 of old. You laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe and they will pass away. But you are the same. And your years have no end. So he's contrasting the fact that creation changes and God does not change. God is not dynamic. He is God. He's always had the same intentions, right? So if you look out at the world and, and all, the church is apostatizing and all the kids are leaving the church, have y'all noticed that? Supposedly all the kids are leaving the church. Um, that does, that's not because God doesn't want godly offspring anymore. He's still the same. His intentions are still the same. It's something in man that has changed, not God. And so the psalmist here points out, you don't change, your intentions are the same. He's looking out, his world is apostatizing, that's the context of this psalm. The church is apostatizing, the nation is apostatizing, the next generation is forgetting God, and he's like, what in the world? Creation changes, things change, but you don't change, your intentions don't change, and then he specifically mentions one of God's intentions. Verse 28, the children of your servants shall dwell secure, all right? Their offspring shall be established before you. So in the face of apostatizing nation, apostatizing church, and the changes of creation, the circumstances of this world, God doesn't change. The children of your people, your servants, shall be established. He still goes back to that original promise and that original intention, and he believes that. Now, where does he get this idea why would he say that? Where does it, why does he think that's the case? Because throughout the Bible, God promises this over and over again. Um, Genesis chapter 17, verse 7. This is one of the earlier promises. This is the Abrahamic promise, also known as the gospel. And I will establish my covenant between me and you, and the covenant will be also be between and your offspring after you. See that? Throughout their generations, plural, foreign, what's that word? Everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. That's God's promise. Does it change? It does not change. It is everlasting. Do God's intentions ever change? They do not change. But the church is apostatizing. That's not because God's intentions have changed. It's because the church is being faithless, right? Um, Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 9 in the Ten Commandments. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. You could see his intention of covenantal succession. That is, he, uh, you, sow, you reap what you sow, even generationally. You see that? But showing steadfast love, that's covenantal love, to thousands, that's generations, of those who love me and keep my commandments. And we haven't got to a thousand generations yet, by the way. Not even close. I'm not even sure we've gotten to a hundred. So you see the promise. You see the intentions of God. What is the immediate objection? Let's just deal with the immediate objections. I'm telling you right now, God wants to save your children. God intends to save your children. God desires faith. God desires godly offspring. Yeah, I don't know, right? I have a guess, right? But the Bible says that he intends for a for, uh, godly offspring. His intentions didn't change with them. What about Esau? Don't have two wives, okay? Now, I'm not exactly certain about this because we're dealing with the mind of God. We don't know the eternal decrees of God, right? God literally told us that he hated Esau, but he didn't, your kids' names aren't in the Bible. He never said that about any of your kids. We only know that about Esau because Paul told, told us in Romans. Okay? All right? What about um, uh, w- Isaac didn't even know that. That's right. Isaac shouldn't have had two wives or however many he had. He should have believed the promises. He didn't believe the promises. That's why he tried to give the, uh, the promise to Esau instead of Jacob because he wasn't living in faith. He was in sin. What about, um, what about uh, Cain? Don't cheat on God with the devil, right? And then you won't produce a little cane. That's, wh- that's how I think it works. What about Absalom? Don't have hundreds of wives from pagan nations, right? What about the sons of Eli? The Bible says Eli did not restrain his children. See, I, I'm not certain about this, but it seems that every time you see an apostatizing generation, oh, the Bible is, is trying, it points out the faithlessness of the parents right it it perpetually shows that but then sometimes the bible will show the kids having revival because God is faithful right so it's a very complex subject but I basically I basically say this to people unless God has told you otherwise believe the last thing he said to you right we'll talk more about this as we as we go on this doesn't mean that we can presume faith is not presumption what would presumption look like presumption is cavalier it says i can parent however right or i can neglect my children because hey god's going to save them one way or the other either god's going to save them or he's not going to save them therefore it's not really up to me so i don't have to be a good parent i don't have to be faithful that's the same line of reasoning where people say you know you're you're going to die when you're going to die so why wear a seatbelt? right that is fatalism it's not biblical understanding of god's sovereignty it's very rationalistic, because rationalistically, you know, if it's determined when you're going to die, why wear a seatbelt? That's fatalism, though. It's not Christianity, right? In Christianity, we believe both in God's sovereignty and human responsibility. And how those two things work together, nobody knows exactly. But that's how um, we're supposed to live, right? Um, <coughs> and children, just because you're in the covenant um, doesn't mean that you uh, can presume to be faithless either, Right? Your, your children, as they grow older, uh, they are in covenant. There are promises for them. God will be faithful. His intentions are godly offspring. But if they don't live faithfully and they apostatize, they can't expect to reap um, a blessing when they have sowed rebellion because God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. Right? Matthew 3, verse 9. And do not presume. You see, presume. That's not the same thing as faith. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham, right? He can make children from stones, but you know what he prefers, what he intends? He intends to make children from Abraham, right? He intends to make children. That's normally how he does it. That's, that's how he has expressed his intentions, right? But you can't presume. You can't presume, all right? In Luke chapter 12, verse 48, if you do presume, but the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating... Will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Jesus, referring to hell, says that if you are in the covenant and you do have God's promises and you apostatize, that your hell will be more difficult and hotter. Makes sense? So you don't presume. As parents, you don't presume. And as children, you don't presume. All right, Psalm 127, verse 1. Let's, tr- let's think about this a different way, okay? Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Amen? So does it matter what materials I use? What do you think? Yeah, but hey, but the Lord's got to do it. Only if the Lord does it will this house be built and be established forever. So does it matter what materials I use? Does it matter how I build, what techniques I use? Right? It does. But I mean, but, but the Lord has to do it. The Lord has to do it. See, both of those things are true. Both of those things are true. There's a lot of parents who are like, oh, no, the Holy Spirit has to save them. Yes, we know that. Right? So, it, it, you know, you, can't, you, you being faithful has nothing to do with it. The Holy Spirit has to save them. That's not how, what the Bible says. The Bible has promises from God to faithful parents. Right? Um, if I say the Lord has to build this house, that we don't then think it doesn't matter what we do, right? Amen? Um, That's called, I suppose, uh, presumption maybe, or denying the promises. You got presumption on one hand, it doesn't matter what materials I use or how I build, the Lord's got to do it. That's presumption. And on the other hand, you have denial, right? God never said he wants to build this house. God never said he's for my house, right? So I'm going to build, but I don't know what's going to happen with this, Right? There's a lot of people who parent that way. They're like, God never said he was going to, God never told me my son is elect. So, you know, I don't even know if I can teach him how to pray because I'm not sure if God even listens to him because I'm not sure if he's elect or not. No, God did say he intends to save your children over and over again. Right? Imagine someone uh, going into building a house and saying, well, I'm not going to even build because God never said he intends for this house to be built. Right? Uh, the horse is prepared for battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. What are the two non-faithful ways to respond to that? One is, I'm going to prepare the horse and it's me. I got this. As long as I prepare the horse properly and I have all the right tips and tricks and I do this right, I'm going to win this battle. That's not faith. Another one is, well, God never told me individually that this battle I'm going to win, so why even try, right? That's not faith either, right? God's sovereignty and human responsibility are very complicated and, and hard to work out. But what you can't do um, is deny the clear, express intentions of God for your children. Right? And I think if you're going to err, err on the side of, of, of saying, you know, God, unless you tell me otherwise, I expect to be in heaven with these children. I'm claiming these promises and I'm going to live in light of that. All right? um, <clears throat> let's talk about prayer just for a second. First John 5, 14. Look at this. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him. Do you have confidence about your children? About the things you want? You've got to have confidence in the character of God and in what He has expressed are His intentions. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. If you pray according to His will, He will answer those prayers. He hears you. And what is His will regarding your children? He wants godly offspring. He has given you promises. How do I know that? I don't know if they're elect. Stop. That is not the proper response. He told you he desires godly offspring and that he's going to be faithful to his faithful servants. Amen? Amen? All right. That's very important. John 14, 14. If you ask anything in my name, which is another way of saying according to my person and according to my intentions and my will, if you ask in my name, I will do it. So pray for the salvation of your children. Amen. Well, it doesn't matter if I pray because God's either going to save them or he's not going to save them. No, that's not Christianity. That's fatalism. You you that? like well, that. sure. Always pray for them to be saved, either for the first time or for the next day. Right. Continue to be saved. Right. Um, and I'm not saying that every day you're like, Lord, please, um, you know, regenerate this degenerate, rebellious viper in diapers, right? <laughs> right? And I believe, and this is not a class on this, but I believe you should, you should treat them as though they are a Christian, that they are saved. Tell them to repent. Tell them to believe, right? Tell them you're in a Christian household. Tell them Jesus loves you. God saves you, Right? That's I, that's what I believe in particular. And if they're saying if they are worried about about not being a Christian, what do you say? You need to repent and believe on Jesus. Right? If they fall into sin, what do you say? You repent and believe in Jesus. Whether you whether for the first time or for the thousandth time, repent and believe in Jesus is the answer. Right? It's I think it's a huge mistake for you to when your kid says something about Jesus, I love Jesus. Well, we'll see about that. You know. That is sowing seeds of doubt in their heart. Don't do that. Don't do that. All right. Um, you say, well, I love Jesus. Well, of course you do. He loved you first. All right. Um, James chapter one, verse six. If you're going to pray, but let him ask in faith. Faith in what? Promises of God that you've read in the Bible, appealing to those promises in prayer. Ask in faith. God, you said you wanted godly offspring. Right. And, and I want to claim that promise. You know, I want that to be for me. With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Amen. Mark 11, 24. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Believe it. I know this is hard for you to get, but just take what it says right there. Just take what it says. If it's according to his will, he's already expressed his will, right? If it's in his name, that's according to his personhood right? He said all those things. You're, you're being faithful. You're, you're trusting in the promises. You're doing what you're supposed to do, right? Then, and believe. Believe. Right? You always have to pray as a good steward. You can't say, Lord, I'm going to rack up my visa bills, um, but I'd like you to, to uh, fix my budget. You can't, God will not be mocked, right? But If you're being faithful, you're being a good steward, Claim those promises and go to him uh, with, with those arguments and say, Lord, you know, you want this, you, you have in this, and, and, and present the arguments. Just think how much more kingdom advance there could be with these children. You know, save my kids, keep saving my kids, sanctify my kids. Amen? All right, but, but Pastor Brandon, those promises you read from Psalm 102 and Genesis 17, they are in the Old Testament, right? The New Testament is not when God stops fulfilling his promises. The New Testament is not when God's like, oh, all those promises canceled, right? We're doing a new thing here, totally new thing, and it involves less promises, right? And, and, and honestly, some bad news for your kids. That's not what the New Testament is. The New Testament is when God begins to fulfill his promises in a new, profound way because he is pouring out the Holy Spirit, on all on all mankind make sense all right listen to luke chapter 1 verse 46 through 50 do we have that kevin because i don't have it in my notes right there and mary said is this old testament or new testament (laughs) new testament my soul magnifies the lord and my spirit rejoices in god my savior for he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant for behold from now on all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Amen. You see, she knows the promises. She knows that he intends to be faithful covenantally, generation to generation, New Testament. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 34. <coughs> now, this is in the Old Testament, but it is an Old Testament prophet foretelling of the new covenant that would come ezekiel 34 verse 24 and i the lord will be their god and my servant david shall be prince among them who's he referring to here jesus david is long dead here david david is being used typologically here i am the lord i have spoken the lord's i will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods and i will make them and the place all around my hill a blessing, and I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing. Now, right, keep going. One more. Hopefully I got the right verses. Oh, we don't have it. Ah, it's all right. You got it. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit and the earth shall yield its increase and they shall be secure in their land and they shall know that I am the Lord. When I break the bars of the yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who enslave them. Nah, we're running out. I don't know. where. <laughs> it's still true, though, I promise. All right. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 21. Let's try that one. Another new covenant promise. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord. From this time forth and forevermore, we could do this for days and days. Um, the point that I'm trying to make is um, God has expressed his intentions for your children. God desires godly offspring. And when you're going to be a good parent, when you're going to be faithful and you're going to f- do all the duties that we're going to talk about in the rest of this class, you have to make sure that everything you're doing is according to the promises that he's given you. Amen. What if, some, what if uh, things don't go well and, and things are, are maybe not going well for a season? Has God's intentions changed? No, God doesn't change. The creation changes. You know, circumstances come and go, but God is faithful in all of this. And, um, and this is what Peter was talking about. Acts chapter 2, verse 39. When he stood up on Pentecost, um, the people had just crucified Jesus. They, they were perhaps concerned that, that it was too late for them. And he says, No, repent and be baptized. Why? Why repent and be baptized? For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off referring to the gentiles probably everyone whom the lord our god calls to himself amen amen Amen. so uh, we got a few minutes any questions or any thoughts about this (laughs) (laughs) would god what Yeah, absolutely. Um, they do say the next generation is apostatizing, but have you ever been to a megachurch? There's a reason why they're apostatizing. Right? Have, those kids are all being sent to government uh, state schools. The purpose of government schools is to evangelize in the religion of secularism. Is it any wonder if you send your, your, your little skulls full of mush, your little babies, your little, your little children into the discipleship program of the devil that they become like the devil, uh, God will not be mocked. The servant becomes like his master. That's what happens. God will not be mocked. The reason the generations are apostatizing is not because God is not faithful to his promises and he, and, or because God has changed his intentions towards the next generation. It's because the church, the adults are apostatizing. Absolutely. right? You can, there are statistics. You can compare children from uh, uh, classical Christian schools, and Christian schools, and private schools, and home school, and public school, you can compare the, the apostate, apostatizing rates. There are statistics done on that, and there's no comparison whatsoever. Kids that are in solid Christian homes, in Christian churches, and they're getting Christian education, don't apostatize. There, there might be one or two here and there, and we could have to look at those cases individually, but if you're faithful, God will be faithful right so don't as you parent don't don't ever let it get in your head i'm not sure if they're elect you know they're going to behave sometimes like they're not (coughs) that's (laughs) but don't let that get in in your head okay god's going to be faithful to you i promise do what yeah pray, pray harder when you pray claim those promises right absolutely any other questions or thoughts on this Yeah. And so by like I'm not like no, you got it. <laughs> yeah, when you spank and it doesn't seem <laughs> like it's you you know, the Lord knows, then that goes than anyway. We'll just work on it for a 2nd will We'll <laughs> Um <laughs> you know what I'm you know I don't. But I <laughs> I think I would be willing to bet all the ladies in the room know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> all the men are like, what? I don't know. <laughs> um, I will say this about spanking. When you spank and you're like, it's not working. Um, <laughs> it's not like that. You know, what's not working? What's not working? Right. There's no promise of. Uh, yeah. Uh, my sp- Yeah, we would want we would want to make sure that you're spanking biblically. And there's a lot to say about that. We'll get to that um because i usually that's the case usually there's some uh, inconsistency of discipline what's actually happened is you're not spanking you're just hauling off right you're just uh, you're losing it that's not the same thing or you're uh, you're giving them the lightest of taps like you're not really actually spanking them or or you're angry you're freaking out you know if it's not if it's done in sin that's not in faith right but also remember, uh, faith is in the promises of God, and, and we walk by faith, not instant gratification. Like, if we got immediately the results, we wouldn't need faith, right? When we say spanking in faith, we mean spanking in patience, right? <laughs> you, and it's some of us longer than others, right? So, <clears throat> Brother Henry? <laughs> Amen. Like That's right. Amen. One last question or comment. <laughs> In the realm of tips and tricks, because I have two boys who are quite foolish at the moment. They say things that are instantly infuriating. Well, I didn't say much, but Isaac will say something incredibly foolish. Who's the infuriating? Me. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, so Ellen's cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> it is weird to me that your kid is saying something and you're like rah, you're angry that's you a little kid shouldn't be able to get under your skin that easily Still, still, there's no reason why a little kid should say something to you. and You're like, my blood's boiling. Yeah, like that. I Maybe what you're like, I, God's mad at that, Isaac. Maybe that's what you mean. Like, are you really like your ears are getting red and you're uh, like shaking in anger ah, because of something Isaac said? We'll have to we'll work through that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you definitely spank them for things they say. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to think of some examples. We'll have to see what's frustrating you. We'll have to think about that. All right. Y'all have a good Lord's Day.